Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Treg and Steve. It's my good buddy Steve who's joined me today. And we are old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today, Steve is going to tell us a story about his new album called Stargazer, and I'm very excited about it. Steve is one of my favorite people in the world, been following him for years, and I am, I'm so thrilled that he's joined me today to, to talk about his album. How are you, Steve? Thrilled as right back at you, Mr. <laughs> Treg Julander, you and your wonderful show. Yeah, we have a good time. Yeah, it's a good, good time. Uh, Steve has uh, he's conquered peace in the past in his album Peace Rocks, which I loved. Conquer is not the right word. I have, <laughs> I have sung about it, <laughs> lauded it, and uh, dreamed about it. But as we can see on the television, we have not quite achieved it. Yeah. And I'm not going to sleep until I do. So I'm really tired. I haven't slept in 45 years. <laughs> and you could just imagine the bags under my eyes. Right. <laughs> and Conquer was a poor choice of words Conquer was, too, uh, for talking I, about I would love to peace. say yes, you are correct. We've conquered Conquer the peace. problem of yeah. war. Conquer war. No more war. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you uh, addressed the... Plastic floating continents out in the ocean, which we I love. We certainly loved. did because it it was a fantastic idea. the uh, The band Bomber Goggles and I we uh, worked very hard on this idea, and the idea I think is just so cool because I've always imagined that the Earth is sitting there saying, "All this plastic is floating on my surface, covering up, blocking oxygen, covering light, killing fauna and and flora and fishes and all that good stuff." And it's such a blight. And humans, you did this. What are you going to do? And for them to do something positive about it and turn it into something that was a good thing, the Earth rewarded them by giving them telekinetic powers, kind of like the Bermuda Triangle, but yeah, in yeah. a positive way. So, you know, I got, I got a feeling that if we did some nice things for this planet, the planet would be appreciative. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. Most I definitely. would hope so. That's a great album, too. Maybe we should come back to that, you know, on another occasion. I would, I would love to. Maybe I should bring Peter with me. <laughs> yeah. He's a local boy. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a good idea. I would love to. That's a good idea. I do want to uh, mention off of your Peace Rocks album, my favorite cut, Big Brother. You oh, know, thank you. you know that I absolutely love that song. Thank it you. is thank phenomenal. You. I've had other people mention that that was their favorite on the album yeah. as well. And in fact, if, if you don't mind, you know, as, even if, if we're talking about Stargazer, if we can, if we can post in some clips, would that be all right? You are welcome to post any clips of anything I've ever done. Awesome. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to play a little clip here too of Big Brother, just cool. a little tiny taste of it. Okay. And then we'll get talking about. I had an interesting comment online from some kid who was listening to it and said. That's the best intro to a song I've ever heard. Oh, I agree. It's, fan it's fantastic. And I thought that was a very, I mean, I never thought of it that way, but I thought that was a beautiful comment coming from a, a person who doesn't know me. That was just an abstract comment. That's totally So that's cool. very cool when people just yeah. honestly feel something you've done is cool. That's It awesome. feels good. Well, let's hear a clip from uh, Big Brother. Okay.
And I love that song. It's fantastic. You know that I'm a huge fan of it. Um, and the message of it, too, is phenomenal. Yeah, just, so. you know, leave us alone. Get That's, off the phone, yeah. man. <laughs> right. I'm going to talk to my wife. Give me a break. <laughs> also, another song worthy of a, of a rock tale hour. Actually, that one's we, that's one that we covered in um, our rock club. Uh, remember, we we got together yes. With, yes. with a group of people, and we yes, instead we of sharing a book club, we shared. Have you ever done that club. again? Was that the one night? Just twice. We twice. Just twice. Yeah. Yeah. Good fun. If you ever kick that up up again, you know I love to talk about music. Yeah, we should try that again for sure. But today we're going to talk about Stargazer, which is a phenomenal album. Um, it, it sounds to me like. Prog rock, is that how you would characterize it? I'm signed to a progressive rock label called Melodic Revolution Records with this album. I got into that position because of Bomber Goggles and working with Peter Matuchniak, who is a known prog artist. So while I personally am probably sitting on the outer edge fringe of the world of progressive music with my style, which sometimes lands in it and very often lands outside of the prog realm, uh... I, I am in the Prague world and just probably sitting at the fringes, but that's okay. I don't mind. I, I sensed um, uh, that it seemed a little bit like, to me, it seemed a little bit like Pink Floyd. I'd be honored. I'd be yeah. honored if that were the case. Yeah. I've had, had some strange com comments from people about it sounding a little bit like Bowie. Did that I was ever say that too. Seriously? That was my second note. It's yeah, amazing to me. Everybody yeah. I know is saying it sounds like Bowie, and I don't hear it. Oh, <laughs> There's something wrong with me, man. I got a Bowie block. <laughs> and I also sent some, some Beatles influences in Always. there, too. Yeah, Every yeah. album I ever put out in my life is going to have a touch of that because they're my mentors. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't get them out of my DNA. They're locked oh, in. Absolutely. I hear you. That's fantastic. So I, I see from the liner notes you say that Stargazer is the story of a young man born into a dystopian future. Facing the End with Hope. That's a great theme for, a, for an album. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you know, we're very smart. The human race is very smart. I mean, I'm sure compared to other creatures in this universe, we're pretty, uh, pretty anemic. But we have the ability to solve problems. We're good at that. We say we need to get to this planet. And there are people with big brains like your daughter, Sierra, <laughs> right. who's, who's a very smart young lady. And you, they, these people sit around, throw ideas around, and come up with solutions to how to get thousands and thousands of people from this planet to another planet. Mm. In this particular story of Stargazer, these people get to the other planet in their own lifetime, which means they're traveling extremely fast, yeah, which we have amazing. barely – we're just getting our brains, the human race is getting their brains wrapped around the concept of approaching 20 to 30% of the speed of light using some extreme measures. Mm. So we're getting there. I mean, it's it's just a question of, you know, people just stop saying there's no, stop saying no, and just saying, what else can we do? And yeah, then yeah. one day they come up with the solution. So in this particular story, Stargazer starts out on Earth, and... uh We've, we've unfortunately, the whole scenario of, of global warming, which is very challenging, has taken a dark turn in this story. And the earth is no longer habitable on, because of us. We have, through technology, through lack of caring, made the earth a place where we literally can no longer function on the surface of it. My assumption as a side panel to my, to my album is that some people might have gone underground, which makes a lot of sense since a lot of people are going to be left behind. They can't get on the spaceship. Mm -hmm. So they probably dug tunnels and a lot of people are burrowing in. But the story that I have is that this young man, Stargazer, is a telescope fanatic 
who, through the years of scientific uh, study, has wound up working for Hubble. And he's chosen because of his scientific expertise to travel to Proxima B, which, according to the science knowledge that we have right now, is a potentially habitable planet for Earth, Earthlings, sort of, kind of, sort of, maybe. You know, I don't think anything's going to be good unless we learn how to terraform, but mm-hmm. it's about as good as we've we've got in our visual spectrum right now. Yep. So he gets on board with thousands of people in this one enormous Phoenix rocket ship, and they travel to Proxima B. And that's the hope part, because at the end of all of this, whoever dies on Earth is is blessed and loved by these people, but they're there chosen to carry on the seeds of the human race on this new planet. That's where the hope lies. Yeah, yeah. We land here. Here's our new home. Can we make it better than we did? Right, we don't right. need to destroy this one, do we? Maybe we can <laughs> Let's do better. Let's do our best to not destroy this Maybe one. Maybe we yeah. cannot do that this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, the, the album starts out with a couple good rocking tunes, mm-hmm. which are awesome. Um, about, I guess they're about Stargazer, about this gentleman Stargazer, right? Well, the first one the just, first few. just tells you that, you know, Stargazer is a young man who... Uh, Loves the stars. The first three songs are basically introducing you to the feeling of outer space, the love of outer space that Stargazer has for it. It's not really forwarding the storyline to the death of the human race. It's more just saying, this is what got Stargazer into looking at telescopes. He'd look up at the sky as a young man and just knew that there was a connection between he and the stars. He, he always felt a connection so strongly that he thought he was from the stars. Oh, cool. Which a lot of people have suggested way back when the Earth was being slammed by asteroids that we may have been seeded. The DNA structures of what created life on our planet may not come from this particular rock. It might have come from another rock that landed on ours and put the seeds there. Right, right. Which actually makes us children of aliens in a way. <laughs> right. <laughs> in a way, who knows? You know, I, I, who am I Could to debate be. that? It's possible. Absolutely. Well, he feels that way. He feels that he is the offspring of aliens. And that's kind of the introduction of the album. Is any of this autobiographical? You look at the stars? I always have looked at the stars, but I never was a telescope guy personally. I think I was given a telescope as a child, but I found it a little bit cumbersome. And I found the scope of the circle that I was looking at didn't entice me as much as just taking the circle away and looking at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never enjoyed focusing on one, two, tw- one, two or three dots to see them a little bit closer mm-hmm. as opposed to the whole sky. It was, the, it was the, the panorama that excited me. I'm with you. I'm with you. But in his case, he saw something I didn't. He looks in the thing and he says, oh, my God, look at the hue around that circle right there. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it was more for him. And, of course, when you get to the point of being on Hubble, you're getting such clarity and you're seeing things right, that we never see. Right. That would be a whole different oh, game. Oh, that would be a whole different game. But yeah. he loved it right from the start. That's awesome. Have you ever been out in the desert where it's really dark? Once or twice I've seen oh, the panorama that – I mean, amazing. I have some people tell me because of this album that, you know, you should yeah. come to this part of the country, this part of the country. Because if you – at night, in a certain season, I mean, you see everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know coming from Manhattan – with all the lights and all the noise, if I if I grew, you know, I didn't really grow up seeing a lot of everything. Right, right. Lights of the city destroy some of that view, yeah, which no is unfortunate. Doubt, no doubt. I might have had a different experience with my telescope had I lived in a different part of the country. 
New York is tough. Very true. Several years ago, I was in the desert with some members of my family for a total eclipse of the moon. And we were in one of the darkest places in southern Utah, one of the darkest places in the, in the United States. And when the moon's light was totally covered up, it was incredible to see the stars. I mean, you could see the Milky Way from one end of the horizon to the other. It was just phenomenal. So you're saying you're looking at the panorama of the sky and the moon is blotted out. Yeah. So there's no light. No light. It was Because awesome. I'm, I'm sure the moon puts off enough light to does, yeah. color your perception. But when you block that out, I've never, I can't even imagine. It, was it must amazing. have been a magical moment. It was, it was a religious experience. Yeah. yeah. It was very yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. I want to talk about your song, the fifth cut on the album called It's In Our Blood. Mm-hmm. This is the one where it sounded to me, if I close my eyes, it sounded like late David Bowie. It sounded like a lot like his last album. Cool. I loved his last album. Yeah. There was a lot of soul in that because, you know, when you know you're passing. Right, right. You want to leave whatever you have left. And boy, he did a beautiful he job. He certainly did, didn't he? He did. He yeah. did. And there's part of me that feels like my soul is dying every time I hear more about global warming. And I realize our inactivity is is it's a preventable moment at this point. Yep. You know, I don't care what your excuses are for not wanting to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your perceptions are. There's a potential that we're doing something to this planet, even if you don't believe in it. Just on the odd chance that there is something that is man-made about this. Let's do what we can to preserve this beautiful planet. We don't have to terraform the earth. It's (laughs) made for us. (laughs) We're designed to be here and it's designed to take care of us. Anywhere else we go, we're going to have to terraform. They want to go live on Mars. You have to terraform Mars or live in pods. How wonderful to live in pods. You want to go outside to see the the, the sunset? You have to put space suit on. What kind of life is (laughs) that? Doesn't sound very fun. No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you 100%. You know, it seems like we're selling out our grandchildren's future. And, it's you know, our world, man. I understand it's expensive. You know, the solution may be expensive, but, but it's going to be a lot more expensive in the future well, if we money, don't. Money, money, and I have problems with money because while it's wonderful to take care of your family and do all the good things, you know, there's a bigger picture. And people who live for the small picture are causing real big picture problems right now. Yep. And I don't want, I, we both have young kids in our families, and their generation is going to experience, unless something changes drastically, bigger storms, temperatures that are uncomfortable, yep. starvation, water problems. It, it's just, it, it breaks my heart because these are our children and our grandchildren. Mm. And we're, we're probably going to pass before some of this horrifying thing happens. But they're not. They're going to be here. They got a front row seat. They got a front row seat at the catastrophe. The maelstrom is coming their way. Yep. So my heart breaks on that. So it's in our blood, which you were discussing. Yeah. Is is about about that. that. Mm -hmm. It is about that. It's it's really just saying exactly that. In the face of the evidence that we have, whatever whatever validity you want to perceive it as, we did no action in this in this storyline. And why? And the answer is there's something about the human psyche. We've always been at war. Every generation, every part of our civilization throughout history has been at war. There's something wrong with us. There's something wrong. There's so much good, but there's something in our blood. It's in our blood. There's something fundamentally, DNA, psychologically wrong with us, that we can't live at peace, that we can't work together to take care of big problems, and we fight amongst each other over stupidities, pettiness, (laughs) jealousies, greed. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's baffling, and that's what It's in Our Blood is about. Yeah. Well, that's a great cut. Love it. Thank you. Let's hear a clip from it, please. Love that song. I, that's that's probably my second favorite on the album. Ooh, ooh, Love it. Ooh, what's number yeah. one? Well, we'll get there. Oh, okay. Patience, patience, <laughs> my <Right>. son. <laughs> so the next the next one that I wanted to highlight is the next cut, which is Dark Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that is a it's a great, it's a beautiful little little melody, and then you start talking, singing about these terrible things, you know, with this beautiful little melody. <laughs> Leaves have fallen to the ground like tears Nothing's growing here for all these years In the dark Matter in the dark Matter As the waters rise above the town Everyone has moved to higher ground In the dark Matter in the dark I had somebody tell me that they were waiting for the ending to be positive because the melody was so positive and it never came. No. <laughs> it never gets better. Right. Because this is, this is the song that is, is telling you what it, this is the life that they're living. The words in the song of dark matter are talking about the world in which they're, which they're leaving. This is the last days of earth. I mean, it might be 10 years, it might be five years, but this is it. It's over. Then there's no next generation at least surviving on the surface. Some people might become mole people or whatever, but... Right, right. There's, there's just... The surface of the earth is becoming uninhabitable, and this is talking about it. You know, he says, you know, Lord, forgive us for our sins kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah. all we have is a mountain of cars is our final legacy for the universe. This is, you know, people going to... Aliens are going to land here, and all they're going to see is piles of cars. Piles of cars, yeah. That's, that's it. That's, that's what the human race was. Yep. And then as things start to go south... It becomes more violent, you know, and it's, it's like it snowballs. Well, once w- w- uh, there was a great movie. What is it? Of Children of Men. Hmm, and I thought that it. there's a, it's a terrific movie, and it's it's about the last generation. There's no child has been born. There's some kind of disease that prevents women from being able to ca- conceive. Okay. And in the knowledge that there's no future generation, the world becomes a madhouse. Violence, uh, looting, ransacking, raping, everything horrible. Because when you know there's no future. So it's interesting. Oh, yeah. We yeah. behave like human beings because we know our children are going to carry on. Yeah. You yeah. take away our children and there's no reason to behave well and people behave like monsters. And take away our hope. Right? Our hope. Yep. Future. No future, no hope. Let's just live like animals. It's <laughs> yeah. like hell. Right. It's like the satanic dream, which is, you know, just wander around naked and do everything you want, whatever you want to do, do it now. Mm-hmm. That's what happens to us when we don't have a future. It's very interesting. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And very insightful. Yeah, we're 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 strange psychology people. We have we need we need help. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there a universal quadrant therapist that can come down to Earth and give us a little 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 
you know, free freebie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I wanted to ask about the title, Dark Matter. I, I understand the, the concept of in the dark, but you've got in the dark matter. What does dark matter mean? There's only one line in this song that relates to the concept of dark, dark matter as I understand it. And that's the very last line of the song where he says, we can no longer live on Earth. We're going to have to live in the... Uh, we're going to go past the sun in the dark matter. And oh, people are okay, saying okay. in outer space, all the black blackness in between all the lights is dark matter. They're working very hard right now trying to figure out what it's made out of because they can't quantify it with our with our tools and our eyes and our senses and our machines. Yeah, can't measure They have not be able to measure it. They know it has something to do with gravity because the universe is expanding and uh, there's nothing that makes any sense with so much gravity around that it would go outward. Gravity pulls things toward it. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out what it is that's pushing things away because all right, there's going to come a time in the next few billions of years where we won't see a star in the sky because everything in our universe is moving away from us. Ah, interesting. So they're wondering why. And there's, they're, they're assuming, they still don't have scientific proof, but they think there's something in the dark matter that is both gravity pulling and gravity uh, repulsing or repelling, forgive me. And that's very interesting. And I'm, I'm reading all the time and they keep coming up with new theories and they haven't got it locked down, but it's brilliant. But that, that, the, the theory of the whole song was based on that one line. Oh, got it. Okay. And then I, used, I was thinking about saying dark matter in a different light than uh, the dark matter in the dark matter. Because yep. on Earth, they're not in the dark matter. They're not in outer space traveling. But I felt that the, the scene was so dark on Earth that living here was kind of like living in dark matter. Oh, great, great. The horrors that they were experiencing, mothers yeah. holding their children and getting bombed and killed and this, people running around like animals, stealing and killing and raping and whatever they wanted to do. That's dark matter. There's not much difference between living as a, yeah. as a biological creature here or just floating out in space because there's nothing that has any value. That's a great image. Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent, excellent. Uh, next song, we got Phoenix Rising. So Phoenix is the name of the spaceship that yes. carries them to Proxima B. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Love this song too. Uh, it sounds, that's where I noticed a little bit of, it's, it's influences of Sergeant Peppers from the Beatles. Penny Lane. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's that's the horn. It's, that's it. It's, it's that's emulating the horn that I love so much in Penny Lane. Got it, got it. Who's playing the horn in that? Oh, I hired the most expensive musician in the world. It's called It's Inside My Cubase Box for free. <laughs> Whatever awesome. it be for, I mean, everything I do is, is in the box. Sounds great. But the, yeah. There's a lot of wonderful sounds in the box. Thank you for the creators of Cubase. Thank yeah. you for all those sounds in the box. We appreciate it. Technology is amazing these days, isn't it? It's fantastic. So tell us more about uh, Phoenix Rising. It really is all in the first line. Phoenix Rising from the Ashes of Our World. is in ashes it may not be literally in flames but a lot of it is 
And those that aren't in flames are in the fear of flames and death every second that they're here. So the world is in flames. Phoenix Rising is, is the song about the ship, which needs to carry enough people for genetic diversity so that they can populate Proxima B successfully as they intermarry, that the race will carry on and have enough strength to carry on the genes on that new planet. Otherwise, okay. you die as a race because for some reason, we have to have a lot of gene genetic Without diversity. diversity. Oh, yeah, interesting. You can't, you can't survive as, as a species without the genetic diversity. Interesting. Um, so they've got that. It's a big ship. So we don't have anywhere near that technology yet to carry a big ship to another planet, mm -hmm. especially not in our lifetime. I mean, they get there within 80 years or something like that in my storyline. Yeah, right, So right. we're talking about a future with great technological advances. Definitely. I'm sure people would tell me that's not going to happen in this time frame, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm not a scientist. Science fiction. That's it's all right. It's science fiction. It's a science fiction <laughs> tale, which I love science fiction. But, you know, as, as the story goes, it's the phoenixes rising from the ashes of our world. The, the world is in flames. The people are... There's no more schools. There's no more structure. There's no more police force. There's no more government. There's no more anything that makes any sense in a society because there's nothing to hold together. There is no future to hold together. Yeah, so people right, are right. literally just going home to their wives and their children and fortifying themselves and probably have guns and barbed wire and traps and stuff to just try and survive their last few years without getting killed by, you know, roaming bands of people that are trying to take everything. Right, right. So it's it's like the future, you know, Mad Max future movies where yeah, people yeah. are literally going around just whatever you can take. Mm -hmm. You you got and one of the lines in one of my songs is, you know, the only food that you have is what you bring. Cuz there is no food. You can't go to the store and buy food. Right. You you either grow some tomatoes if you can still in whatever little way you can or you steal. You steal from other people who have something. Is that from dark matter? That's in dark matter, so. yeah. Yeah. But that's the story of Phoenix Rising is that the, the ship does – everybody who has any technology that's working is watching the, the Phoenix take off. And it goes away. And as soon as it goes away, these people are just sitting there going, they may live, they may not, but we're definitely not going to live. Yeah, yeah. We're done. They have some glimmer of hope, but I mean everybody knows that the odds of surviving on an alien planet that we've never seen up close, you know, it's not a crapshoot. It's a real tough – cookie that they're going to but they have some hope there's a little glimmer of hope for them and of course you're horribly jealous back on earth saying my god these people are they're leaving us behind yeah you know and and one of the songs i have in the album is talking from the perspective of the people on the ship saying i wish those poor people who have no hope a state of grace in yeah. their last few years on earth because we've left them yeah that's great. without hope how horrible that must feel for them the guilt that they carry mm-hmm uh, Phoenix is the name of the mythological bird that yeah. rises from the ashes, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I used it. I'm, I'm, I thought it was a little... Great symbol. I thought it was a little bit too in, the, in your face, but I figured, you know, literally, if, it's, if, I'm, if I'm building the ship and it's the last thing that Earth is going to see, I'm going to use one of our biggest, you know, yeah. symbols. I'm not going to try and be creative about it and call it the Enterprise or something. I'm going to call it the Phoenix <laughs> <Right>. because <laughs> the symbolism behind the Phoenix truly is the rebirth of whatever it is. So the, the next song called Earth 2, you changed to a, it's, it sounds like quite a frenzied pace in mm -hmm. the next song. Mm -hmm. why, why did you change the tempo so, so much in the next song? It's the spaceship traveling. I wanted to, to sonically f get the feeling of motion that they're traveling that's the, as close to the speed of light as man is capable of taking them. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's great. 
Um, a couple of things that I noticed about this is that, uh, of course, when you're talking about the people that are on board the Phoenix, there are, are no lawyers mentioned. Me being a lawyer, I take that personally. <laughs> well, they always say, you know, the only good lawyer is at the bottom of the ocean or whatever that joke is. <laughs> right. <laughs> In this case, we didn't actually have to, to drown you guys. We just left you behind. <laughs> to uh, fend for ourselves. No, I'm sure some of you guys are on this ship. <laughs> Not because of your law expertise, because we don't even know if there's going to be law in this new structure. Right, right. But there probably should be. Something. It seems like the, the human race needs structure. So I would imagine some lawyers are on there just to keep the structure of bringing with them. And of course, everybody has different laws all across this planet. So you can't just say, oh, let's bring the United States law up there. Right. Because that doesn't right. really work in this new environment because there is no country. All it is is a colony of mixed people from all over the world chosen for their whatever expertise they have. Yeah. So maybe the law will be a new law, one that works on Proxima B, which might be different than our laws. Maybe so. And hopefully the quality of people is sufficient that you wouldn't need as many strict well, laws. here's my theory about that, because I've been thinking a lot about the future of this particular bunch of people. Yeah. At first, these are your best and brightest. Mm. But like anything else in life, as generations go by, you're going to see some people that aren't quite. And it's those people that behave badly over the next generation and the next generation and the next generation for whom laws need to be enforced. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we don't tend to only create the best and the brightest with our genetic makeup. <laughs> True. We bring, we, whatever you get, you love it, you, you do the best you can with it, but they're not always the best and brightest. Right, right, right. And, you know, you, that's where parenting comes in. And, uh, and when the parenting doesn't come in, that's when the lawyers come in. So that's why you're there for. You're there to be the parents that we don't have. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that occurred to me is, as you were singing, you know, listing all the people that are on board, including the Pope, which mm -hmm. I thought was a nice touch. Mm -hmm. It caused me to think, if I happen to be in charge of who gets on the Phoenix, what a difficult decision that would be. You know, how would you, how would you make a decision about how any individual or any group of people or category of people is going to be saved while everyone else is left behind to die? What I would assume it was an thing. international table of people sitting around saying, what do we need? Scientists being very big in that conversation. Sure. Because you need to have the genetic diversity, and then you have to sit there and you say, what skill sets does a society with a small amount of people need to survive, especially on an alien in a, planet? And a planet where we're going to need technology, at least at first, yeah. to even breathe and walk around. So I think the scientists probably had a very big say in who was chosen to go. Mm-hmm. But as, as you hear in my song, they chose soldiers because you never know what you're going to encounter. Right. You know, they chose people of, of a, a lot of different branches of society, not just the scientists, because they realize that you need a little bit of all kinds of things to survive in an alien environment. Makes sense. Yeah. The other thing that I wondered about is if I'm not chosen, what do I care? <laughs> you know, why do I care about the survival of the human race? If, if I'm one left down on Earth watching the phoenix going away. If you're a selfish and scared person, you're probably just running around like an animal <laughs> right. trying to find food and killing people. Yeah. If you're a thoughtful person, you're probably accepting your, your fate and praying for them. Right, right. Realizing, you know, we had some good points. The human race is not all bad. We made some very bad choices, but we're not all bad. And there's yeah. a lot of love and there's a lot of wonderful things that we can bring to the table. And I hope that carries on. So if I was not going insane, I would probably be sitting back saying... Please, Godspeed. Right, Do, right. Carry on. Make it work. 
Don't let us die. Fantastic. We killed here. Don't kill there. So then the phoenix lands on Proxima B. Yes. And then the next song I wanted to highlight was Under the Red Dwarf Sun. This is my favorite cut on the album. Ah, there you go. That's a great song. I'll be honest with you. It's mine too. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Just because it's got so many different facets and weird little things about it. Yeah. It's not a traditional song structure, which I like because I'm so, so brought up. Yeah, As you mentioned yeah. at the beginning of our show, we're older cats. Yeah. We grew up with the very traditional song structures. I have a lot of trouble breaking away from that. I've been trying. And this is oh, an yeah. example you of something did very well on this one, to. right? Yeah. right. It's got a fun groove. It almost sounds a little bit like a, a 60s um, surf groove a little oh, bit at times. I've never heard that, but yeah, that's great. Just a, just I mean, a, I love 60s surf music. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's fantastic. It does have a fun part of it. Mm-hmm. There's a funness to it, which is good. Under the red dwarf sun, the phoenix has landed. Under the red dwarf sun. Dwarf sun, if things go bad, we're stranded under the red dwarf sun. seems to be quite a bit of science on on the album did you do some research into physics or astronomy or something in order to talk intelligently about the science i uh i go on to google and i ask questions however interestingly enough when i first googled proxima b and when i first started writing this album over a year ago proxima b was a very strong contender ah. and one of our leading contenders for a possible destination point for mm-hmm. the future of the human race since then, it's been downgraded. Not as bad as Pluto got downgraded, poor guy. But it's been downgraded a bit because they're starting. There's a lot of people think it's a uh, a tidally locked planet, which means one surface it doesn't rotate, and one oh, surface okay. always faces the sun, which would be bombarded by radiation. Yeah. The other side would be significantly colder, and the Goldilocks area of the planet itself would be the dark light divide at yeah. the circle of the center of it, which kind of straddles the dark and the light sides of the planet. And then they're saying that the odds of people without greater technology and some kind of terraforming would have a very hard time surviving the radiation. Hmm. So they're not as keen on it as they were when I started writing the album. So I I hope by the time my my Stargazer, I'm I'm writing some more Stargazer albums. I'm hoping by the time it finishes, Proxima B hasn't been downgraded to Pluto status. (laughs) And like we wouldn't go there, you know, in a million years. Right, right. It could happen because we just, you know, we're still learning. We're learning things all the time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. (laughs) I, I would feel pretty bad though. If if it didn't if it didn't have even a glimmer of hope, if it was downgraded to this is no way we would survive on there, I'd feel like, oh man, I picked the wrong I backed the wrong horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um I also noticed in in your song Nova, the very last cut, it, it sounded a little bit like metal from uh, Pink Floyd, the Pink Floyd album, Metal. Oh nice. Yeah. I love some metal. great sounds to it. Thank you. I like it. I was I was trying to capture as much outer spacey uh, there's a lot of violence in outer space, 
there's a lot of collisions and a lot of oh, interplay right, right. and stuff like that. And and I learned about Novas while I was doing that song. I thought my original thought was a Nova was a small supernova. So what I, my first reading on it was that the light of a Nova, which would be smaller than a supernova, might not reach our eyes. So we on Earth may not see a Nova that was that far away. Okay. A supernova we, we see. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger light. But then I read about it and I said it's, it's two stars that dance around each other. Which oh, I thought was a different cool. kind of cool thing, too. Yeah. Binary I, star? Like, is it different from a binary star? I don't know. Okay. I, 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 I have much to learn. Yeah. But uh, either way, it's, a, it's a, a spatial object, and I wanted to close the album with something that was outer space sounding. A lot of things on the album were inspired by uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, those beautiful okay. sounds and yeah, the classic, classical yeah, music. You'll right. notice there's some classical sounds in there. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, for me, that became space. The soundtrack to 2001 A Space Oddity became space in my head. So there's some influence of that. And Nova, the darkness of Nova, when it, when it hits metallic, like you say, it sounds like a metal band. That's the yeah. violence in outer space. Space is very violent. That's awesome. We look at That's it, it's so beautiful, and we look at these pictures of these things from the Hubble spacecraft and gorgeous colors. What goes into making those gorgeous colors very often is a violent interaction between things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the beauty, you don't think about that. No, the beauty is the mm. beauty is 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 masking some very violent actions. So I wanted to portray both sides. There's some quieter sections in that song and some darker sections of the song. Yeah, that's fantastic. I guess we skipped a little bit of the story. What was the end of the story before Nova? Oh, the uh, well, the, the story is a continuing story. It's going on to Stargazer 2. The end of Stargazer 1, they land. And the, the very beginning of their life on this new planet, which at this point is literally you put on a spacesuit to go outside. Then you go back into this structure that they've brought with them. So you live in a structure which mm-hmm. is controlled by the power, and they, they, they do have sun uh, things, so they're, they're grabbing the red dwarf sun's power okay. to help power their, their the machinery that keeps the air flowing and everything. And they've got self-sustaining vegetable growth, so they're eating vegetables. They, I've heard there's just no question. All star people are going to be vegetarians. There's just no hope. We're not going to bring cows. <laughs> Good point. On the th- We're just not going to. It's yeah. too heavy. There's just, it's, it's, and we, you, know, you can live on vegetables. I'm a vegetarian, but they're saying in outer space, there's, you have no choice. They're going to bring seeds. They're not right, going to bring right. big gardens. They're going to bring seeds. And then when yeah, you go to a yeah. new planet, they're going to seed the planet. You're going to eat vegetables. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. And you considered a lot of things when you were writing about space. Well, I've been reading. I'm, 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 a, I'm a little bit of a, uh, of a groupie. I, I, I like your daughter. I'm so respectful of people who are in the sciences because yeah, yeah. they are our future. Yeah, they're on the cutting edge. They're, all the things that we're enjoying in our lives are being created by these wonderful minds. God bless them. And if we have a chance to survive on this planet, they're going to come up with the solution. Yeah. Obviously, our politicians aren't going to. Uh, obviously, it's going to be our scientists. <laughs> right. And God bless them for the beautiful brains that they have, and the fact that their brains don't say no. 
They just keep open to the possibilities. Yep. And everything's out there. If we could only get the politicians to listen to the scientists, that would be amazing. In the meanwhile, thank God for the scientists just carrying on anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you a little bit about the album. Sure. On the cover, you've got a young man staring back at Earth. Is that right? Well, the, the cover is the inspiration for the whole thing. And it is a carryover from Children of the Moon. Oh, okay. Children of the Moon was uh, is a band with Jimmy Keegan and Pascal Elia. And we were looking for an album cover. And I had my friend, wonderful friend, Linda Kay. She created this album cover. I love it. I love the symmetry of it. I like the fact that there's one person staring on a very blank thing up at one object in the sky and the title above it. There's something about the symmetry of that that I find very appealing. Very simple and beautiful. Yeah. The, the Children of the Moon band rejected it based on the fact that it was one kid and we are a three-piece band. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, fine. Whatever. I, 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 I never stopped loving this album cover even though it wasn't used for that project. Yeah. Ultimately, I, I looked at it and I, and I wrote the, the, the song Stargazer, the first song. While I was recording that, I was saying, well, man, you know, I'm really enjoying recording this Stargazer. I love that album cover. Why don't I make a story out of it? And oh, from there, okay. the seeds of what could possibly happen in the story about this young guy who likes telescopes, and it just carried on from there. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it was all inspired by that cover. Love it. So the back cover you've got, I don't know whether it's meant to be the same person or not, but you've got some eyes that are black, which reminded me of the porcupine tree. Uh, oh, I love that. In absentia. What yeah, a great album exactly. cover. That is. It's blank, actually. It's not black. It's blank. There's uh, nothing in there. But these, if you look closely, those are, those are stars in his eyes. Yeah, okay. Those are galaxies. So he is, that, that's portraying the stargazer. It's a young child. This is him as a young man getting his first telescope, and he's got the stars in his eyes. Love it. So finally, uh, when can we expect Stargazer 2? I have the wonderful blessing of performing my first concert ever as Steve Bonino. Awesome. It's going to be called The Steve Bonino Project, which is the name of my new thing, which is the name of the Stargazer album band. Uh -huh. I went from being just Steve Bonino to The Steve Bonino Project to incorporate many of the musicians in the concept of what I've been working on. Uh -huh. So it's not just me. I'm, I'm going to be performing with wonderful Jimmy Keegan. Sweet. Seth Romano from my cover band, The oh, Trip. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Jonathan Sindelman, who's a wonderful keyboardist and a wonderful guy. And uh, Peter Matuchniak, who has been the inspiration for the whole entry into the progressive world for me. So that's going to be my band. And we're going to play excerpts from Stargazer 1. Awesome. And Stargazer 2. And April 14th from 4 o'clock to 6 p.m. at the Alvis Showroom in San Pedro, California. We're going to be playing the launching party for Stargazer 2. That's awesome. the day it hits the streets. Awesome. How do I reserve a seat? Starting in January, I'll start posting yeah, yeah. the information about this. I think San Pedro, uh, what they do is they, they have an online booking thing. So you can just go to the uh, Alvis showroom if you're interested in doing so. And I think you re either reserve or actually buy a ticket like Ticketron kind of thing. I don't know if they send you a ticket or not or if you just reserve it and you your name is at the door. Okay. One or the other. But you, you might want to reserve a seat. I don't know how many people are coming. It only seats 70. Oh, wow. It's a very small, intimate, beautiful theater. It's wonderful awesome. for musicians. Awesome. So it's, it's very intimate. Fantastic. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. You know, the other thing we didn't talk about is uh, the trip. Yes. I've been following the trip for years, as you know, and boy, they, you, you guys are just 
awesome, fabulous musicians. And, oh, thank you. They're um, nice guys too. And, and we do, we, we have been getting a lot of repeat customers who on an annual basis want us back for their events. And we've reached a certain plateau now where we can see the, the growth all the years that we spent getting to yeah, this point taking, right, right. taking fruition. So it's wonderful. That's great. We have a lot of friends now across the country as a result. We're not just like a one-time hit band and then we're gone. We do a recurring thing. So now we actually have relationships with a whole bunch of people across the country, and it's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. And I've seen you play in Southern California numerous times, at, at mostly at outdoor festivals, but you play more than just festivals. Oh, yeah. You know, we make our bread and butter doing corporate events. We're doing, we did a lot of Christmas parties this year and, and corporate events where corporations like um, Apple or something like that just throw a party for their people. And it doesn't always happen around holiday times. It happens miscellaneously through the year. And we're and very weddings, happy to right? do that. And it's weddings. great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Of course, we still play clubs. I mean, so we do a little bit of everything. We do clubs. We do parties, bar mitzvahs, whatever you got. We'll do <laughs> right. it. We're, we're not too proud to beg. <laughs> But we have a good time. Love and, it. And so far, our, our clients seem to be happy with us. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. You guys just rock. Thank you, man. Thank Which you. Which for me is the highest compliment you can pay to a rock band. You rock. <laughs> you know, I say that to classical musicians. Yeah. They look at me a little funny. <laughs> but I mean that in the nicest way. If a classical musician touches me, I say, man, you guys rock. And then they look at me like... Were you insulting me? But no, I'm actually paying you my highest compliment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, thanks, Steve, so much for being here with us today. Actually, here with me, I should say. I know, I know. Treg didn't mention, but uh, his wonderful compadres, because of the holidays, it wasn't a possible thing for this time for us to do a show with, with more than one person. But next we time. will next time for sure. Next time we'll rope them in. So please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, please keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on, people. Rock and roll! <laughs>